Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, the podcast where I, Quinn Cummings, give advice to people I do not know. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be asking yourself, does Quinn really want to give me bad advice? And the answer is no, I do not want to give you bad advice. I want to give you good advice. But I have absolutely no qualification to give you any sort of advice at all. I am not an N95 filter. I am not Purell. I am not toilet paper. I give advice because it amuses me to do so. So you might be asking yourself, will this advice I'm about to give you be good advice? Well, I think the answer is in the title of the podcast. If you want me to give you bad advice, you can leave a question for me at qcbad.com. It's completely anonymous, and better yet, it's completely free. So I can offer up this advice with a 100% money-back guarantee. Now, let's get started. This first one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, how do you date someone via Zoom or FaceTime? Dear Quinn, do you have any advice for how to make video call dates interesting for those of us in newish relationships? Neither one of us is really into sexting, and the conversations are good for now, but I worry things might get boring. We could eat dinner and or watch the same movie or TV show while video connected, but we're both at a loss for other things we can do. I have been to a few Zoom cocktail hours during this quarantine, and they've been fun, but I don't think Zoom works all that well as a replacement for social interaction. We know what being together is like. This isn't it. My bad advice is embrace the parts of dating which used to be available to us and we now rarely utilize. The written word. Write each other emails. Ask each other questions. Things you might not think to ask someone if you had to make eye contact. Use the Proust questionnaire. You can find it anywhere online. Give each other assignments like send me a picture of something in your house which is completely ordinary but means everything to you. Be creative in your curiosity of one another. We'll eventually get back to something outside our houses, but we'll always have to live in our own minds. This is the chance to get to know each other in a really intimate way. Don't be afraid to ask odd things. Be creative. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, Meow, Part 2. Dear Quinn, I have an 11-year-old cat who has always been a singleton in our home. We picked up a rescue who had been in three different homes. Sweet cat. But it didn't work out with us either because my cat was too stressed. I just found a stray kitten. I want to keep it. Husband says bad idea. The other rescue was seven months old. This one is a tiny kitten. Any chance my cat would be okay with this one? Hard to say. Sometimes an older cat will accept a tinier kitten because they can get away from it more easily. Sometimes an older cat just isn't having it, no matter what the age. But let's say for the sake of argument that you're keeping it right now, at least through the quarantine. A few suggestions. One, 
Keep the cats separated by a door. We have a foster kitten right now, and my cats, the maiden ants, never see Owen Meanie the kitten because he lives on the other side of the door separating the bedrooms from the rest of the house. Even if you decide to keep the cat, begin with not seeing each other, at least for the first few days. Two, try feel away, which is a plug-in that emits fake cat pheromones. Um, not that they're pheromones made by a fake cat. I mean, they're, they're like cat pheromones that are fake. I think you got what I meant. I know it sounds weird. I thought it sounded weird, but I've used it with some borderline feral foster kittens. And for some at least, it did bring down the level of histrionics. Three, while keeping them separated, read the Kitten Lady's website and Jackson Galaxy's website about how to introduce cats. Do exactly what they say. I'm not going to yell, but imagine I'm yelling this next line. Do not speed up the process. I'm going to guess about 85% of the time cats are introduced and it doesn't work is because the humans were, understandably, bored with the process and wishing for it to be done. It will be done, but it takes time. Cats are tiny, weird roommates who are not interested in your boredom. If you want this to work, you must dance to their feline beat. Also, I just had an epiphany. I think about 85% of all things that don't work don't work because we don't do them in the right order and taking the right amount of time. There may be something there. I don't know. Anyway, that's my advice. Dear Quinn, so my 87-year-old father-in-law lives with us. Mostly, this is not a problem. However, I am working from home and he sits in the living room, one room away from my office, and watches, very loudly because he is mostly deaf, pornography on the television. Then he wants to discuss it with me when I walk out of my office. Mostly, I just put in my headphones, but sometimes I just want a break. He thinks that I'm being ridiculous, and I actually think he does it partially to get a reaction from me. I, I, what do I do? First of all, I think this is a your spouse problem rather than a you problem. Because while this has never come up in my life ever, thank you, God, the first thing I would have done is turned to consort and said, about your father. If for some reason your spouse can't deal with this and it's on you, I agree. I think he might be trying for a reaction. But if this behavior is relatively new, you might want to let his doctor know. Changes in levels of inhibition can be a signal of health issues in the elderly. In the meanwhile, treat him as you would a toddler. Nod, smile. Agree with him as much as you want to, but give him nothing you aren't comfortable with. There are two people in this conversation, and neither one of them should be skeeved. Here's another question. Subject. Dear boss, I need time to do the actual work. Dear Quinn, now that we're all working remotely, my boss likes to do multiple video call check-ins during the day. 
There's a morning team meeting, then 101s, then another check-in at the end of the day. He also likes to FaceTime throughout the day to say, just checking to see if you need anything. I'm sure he's trying to be helpful and available, but it's taking up so much time that there's not a lot of time to get actual work done. I've tried to be subtle in my last one-on-one with him, but is it okay to be more direct and say, I appreciate that you want this much FaceTime on video, but I actually need some of this time back to get work done. Can we do things differently? He's really sensitive. (sighs) First of all, I'm imagining your boss as Michael Scott. I'm seeing Steve Carell popping in at all hours, and as brilliant as I think he is as an actor, that character is like chewing on tinfoil, and I'm wincing for you. Now, what you said is correct, and it is appropriate, because you are being paid to work, and these meetings are keeping you from your work, which you are being paid to do. Will he be weird about this? Probably. Sensitive people are exhausting. I'd put it in an email to him so there can be no confusion going forward, no misunderstanding that all you're doing is asking to be allowed to do your job, because sensitive people are also notorious for not actually hearing what someone said to them. I'm sorry you're the only adult in the conversation, but what you said is a perfectly reasonable adult request. Now make it. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, Boyfriend with Gun. Dear Quinn, how do you tell your boyfriend to stop bringing a gun into your house in these times? You say, the gun does not come in my house. He then rants about the coming toilet paper wars. You let him finish and repeat, the gun does not Come in my house. Every time he comes back with some increasingly paranoid reason why the gun is non-negotiable, you repeat, the gun does not come in my house. If he does not abide by your wishes, you explain that he and the gun can sleep elsewhere. It is your house, and statistics tell us that a gun in your house is far far more likely to be used against you than to save you. Moving on. Here's another one about COVID. Subject, the new rules? While quarantined, how often do you have to shower? When must a girl change clothes? Is there such a thing as too much garlic? Brushing the hair? Coloring the hair? Brushing and flossing teeth seem like non-negotiables, but everything else looks like it's up for debate. Thoughts? The nice thing is that most of what we can do to our bodies at home is temporary, and at worst, kind of gross. I say that as long as it's just you, or if it's you and your significant other who have agreed on best quarantine practices— Let that stink flag fly. I mean, most Europeans say we shower too often as Americans. Try it out. As far as coloring the hair goes, I know of more than a few people who are currently visiting their old friend, their natural hair color. Why not see what it's like? You may like it, you may hate it. You can fix it when we get sprung. 
save the money, and roast the garlic. Hi, Quinn. In order to lean into the new normal, my husband has decided this is the time to start making some home improvement choices. Nothing big. Using our time to paint, put in a new vanity, etc. The problem? We cannot agree on anything. I like elegant and understated. He likes bold and artsy. I would also like to see in person a vanity I will stare at for years, or a paint swatch on my wall. He sees online sales and salivates. How do we compromise here? You remind him that, yes, there are lots of sales right now, but this is because everyone with a lick of sense isn't spending extra money because we're about to have the highest rate of unemployment in American history, and we have no idea how things are going to play out. He probably knows this, and this shopping may just be a manifestation of stress. If he really wants to start thinking about redecorating, introduce him to Modsy, which is an online design website where he can spend all sorts of time fussing and tinkering without spending any real money. And if you really never want to hear from him again on this subject, introduce him to Pinterest. Subject, tired of feeling being taken advantage of. How do I reconcile the fact that my significant other has been abusive for years, but now has cancer and expects me to step up and work myself to the bone taking care of him? I feel guilty for putting myself first, but for the first time in my life, I know I need to. I am reminded of the man who taught my training class for the AIDS hotline back when I was 17, who said, just because someone is dying doesn't mean they can't also be an asshole. Caretaking is exhausting, but in a healthy relationship, the person caretakes because the two of you have built a bank of goodwill against which the sick person can draw. You are already drained, and there is no tank of goodwill. I give you permission to say to him, I am available for this, this, and that. or." Maybe just, I'm available for this. You can help him create a plan to get the help he needs so you don't feel as if you've left him to the wolves. But I also give you permission to say to him, that sucks. I have to go. He is not your child. He is someone who has hurt you for years. You owe him nothing. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, Harry situation getting hairier. Dear Quinn, do you have any tips to get rid of hair? I live alone in a studio apartment and I have adopted a kitten recently. Thanks to COVID, I am always home and I've noticed exactly how much hair I'm shedding everywhere. The kitten isn't shedding yet, but my very hairy boyfriend comes over and sheds for them both. I am cleaning the floor more often, sometimes sweeping three times a day, but it's not enough. As someone who lives with humans and pets, do you have any advice? Uh, yeah. If you can afford it, get a Roomba. If you cannot afford it, tell family members that you want nothing for the holidays or for your birthday but a Roomba and to chip in whatever they can. 
as someone with two cats, a dog, a daughter with long hair, and frequently a foster kitten, I'm here to say it will change your life. And you get to name it. Here's another question. Subject, tantrums. Dear Quinn, my eight-month-old is beginning to have a sadistic joy of throwing tantrums when we change her diaper. These are getting to me, so I can't stand them. How do I keep being the adult I am so hardworkingly trying to appear to be? There is no sadism. There is no planning. She's a baby. Something about changing her diaper is now upsetting her, and she lacks the words to tell you. Maybe she doesn't like the air on her undercarriage all of a sudden. Maybe she was doing something fun and you picked her up and now she's not doing it. Unless you have suddenly started sticking her with thumbtacks while you change that diaper, you may never know what's going on that's bothering her. Your responsibility is not to fix every problem. Your responsibility is to teach her how to be a human. Part of being a human is being able to name your own emotions. So, before you go to pick her up the next time and change her diaper, tell her, I'm going to pick you up and change her diaper now. She understands some words. Let her know what's coming. Maybe what's bothering her is the sudden shift in actions. If she protests, hear what she's saying. I know, you're playing. This was frustrating. You will go right back to playing just as soon as I change your diaper. During the entire diaper change, explain what you're doing. If she gets louder and more upset, maybe say something like, it's frustrating when someone takes you away from things you were doing. Once I finish changing your diaper, you can go back to playing. You are a mother even during the loud bits, even if you don't like them. Now, you're a mother especially during the loud bits, especially when you don't like them. Take this as a chance to help her recognize her own feelings so she doesn't grow up and think an infant is capable of sadism. Okay, I think that's enough bad advice for today. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy. That's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to qcbad.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. The question can be any length, but I'm finding they work better if they're shorter. Just a hint. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. People have already started asking me how they can get a bad advice fork in a toaster t-shirt or coffee mug, and my answer to them is, hang in there, we are working on it. I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. 
Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time.